Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The proclamation is read by a city official on the balcony of a historic mansion that's found right in the center of town. Kind of reminds me of a Hallmark movie. It's broadcasted on the radio, broadcasted on television, and now even streamed online. And uh, and this declaration of peace is to be an encouragement of how to spend the holiday, how to spend Christmas in harmony and peace. And also, it kind of uh, lets offenders know that there are some harsh punishments if they don't follow the declaration of peace. It's also to wish a Merry Christmas to everyone. So let's me read it for you. The proclamation reads like this. Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared peaceful Christmas time to all. By advising devotion and to behave otherwise quiet and peacefully because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by an illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. (laughs) Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all of the habits of the city. How many of you know the Finns take their peace, their Christmas peace, very seriously? <laughs> Don't mess with the Finns' Christmas peace. <laughs> but you know, a great way, I think it's a great way for us to usher in and remember that Christmas is a time where Christ declared peace, where God declared peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. If you've been journeying with us this past week through the Rediscover uh, Christmas series and you were here last week, you know that we're celebrating Advent. And, uh, and Advent, just as a reminder, is is, is something that means this. It means coming. It means arrival. And uh, the season is marked by expectation. It's marked by waiting and anticipation. And it's often a season that links the past, the present, and the future together. What am I talking about? Well, Advent offers us the opportunity to remember the ancient tradition of the coming of the first Messiah. It was a waiting. It was an anticipation of Christ's coming as the Messiah, the, the, the prophesied Messiah the first time, but now we live in an age where again, Christ has promised that he will come again. And so we're in a season where Advent doesn't only just simply link the past, but here in the present reminds us that we are in a place too of waiting and anticipation because Christ is coming again. And this time when he comes, he's going to establish true peace by being God's king and kingdom and ushering that into the earth. How many of you think that's something to worth, worth anticipating and waiting on? Amen. So during this time, as we wait, we wait in hopeful anticipation, and uh, we're focusing on the attributes that, that God represented during Advent. We talked a little bit last week, waiting. We're waiting in hope, and last week we talked about hope. So I encourage you, go on and listen if you didn't get a chance to do that, a message about hope. Today we're going to look at peace, and next week we're going to look at, 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 at joy, and then we're going to look at love, and each of these traits is going to lead us into a discovery. Uh, about what Christ has come to bring. And so today, our hope is that you will rediscover peace. So if you're, if you're looking for peace, so I want to encourage you, today is a day where we're going to share a message about rediscovering 
peace, rediscovering peace. Now, we've been looking at different characters in the Bible. Last week, we looked at Anna and Simeon. Today, we're going to encounter a a different kind of group. We're going to encounter a group that's called uh, the shepherds, and they're a a group that embodies uh, something in the Christmas story, peace in the Christmas story. We're going to read Luke's account of it, and uh, whenever I read Luke's account or think about Luke's account, the thing that I think about is is that uh, Christmas TV special, uh, A Charlie Brown Christmas. How many love A Charlie Brown Christmas? See, that's one of, the, one of the holiday traditions. I look forward to a Charlie Brown Christmas every year. And, uh, and so as I, I look forward to Charlie Brown Christmas, I love the way that Linus reads it. And when he gets done, he says to Charlie Brown, he says, well, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And so I'm going to do my very best Linus impression. No, I'm not. I won't do it as well as him. But let's read through this in Luke chapter 2 today. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that is a cause for great joy for all people. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. The baby will be wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the angels of the Lord have told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, uh, about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And look what it says. Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which they had, which, uh, they had been told. You know what this is? This is God's birth announcement to the world. You know, we send out birth announcements when they're the birth of a, a new baby. We send out the birth announcements. Today, we do it through email and social media and that kind of stuff. Then we didn't have all of that. Sometimes it used to be by mail. You'd take a little picture and you'd send it out to everybody, letting them know your baby has been born. And this is God's birth announcement to the world. Now, you would think that if God was giving a birth announcement to the world, that he would show up and he would announce that birth to VIPs. You know what I'm talking about? The rich, the famous, those in power. The kings, maybe those religious leaders, the priests, to go out and announce prophecy had been fulfilled. The Messiah is here, but we don't see that. (laughs) We don't see that. During this time where we see the skies full of, of angels, and the New Living Translation calls them angel armies, I can't imagine what it would have been like to those who saw it. And instead of those in prominence, what we see is God announces his birth to shepherds. Just average Joe, run-of-the-mill shepherds. I mean, these were the most unlikely recipients of God's message of peace because here they are talking about what they'd seen and heard, but as far as witnesses go, their witness wouldn't have even been allowed in court. They were not even allowed. They were considered unclean being with the sheep. They weren't even allowed to come into the temple at this time. These These are interesting because God's message of peace flips the script on on the way that we would announce the birth, that God was here to save the world. And from this, I think we learn four important insights from the shepherds as to God's message of peace. 
First of all, God's peace is available to everyone. It's available to everyone. Again, announcing the birth uh, of God's promise and, and promised peace, God doesn't announce it to people in prominence, doesn't announce it to king. He announces it to shepherds. And shepherds are who? They're just the every man. They're the every man. In fact, I think that there are some reasons why, if you ask yourself, why did God choose shepherds? I think there's some reasons why he chose shepherds, because shepherds actually link together many biblical threads. I mean, think about it. The very patriarchs of Egypt, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, on whom God had first appeared and made his promises, were all shepherds. Think about God's, the, the king who, who had so much prominence in Israel, David. David was a shepherd before he was a king. You see, shepherds were just the everyman, nobody special. They had no entitlement, they had no pride, they had no boasting, they had no arrogance. And they fit right into the process of how God has been introducing himself into the story and the narrative. I mean, think about it. The Messiah has been born to a humble carpenter and a, a peasant girl. Nobody special. Not even in the town of Jerusalem, the city. In fact, they were in the region of Galilee, in a little town of Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth, Scripture asks? This is where Jesus was, again. Uh, and now to shepherds, unrefined, the have-nots. This is just an example of the way that God comes. These were not society's most holy people, most notable people, yet that's how God chooses to introduce His Son into the world. And what that tells us is good news. That means that God's peace, God's promise of peace doesn't have to come to VIPs. You don't have to be somebody super special. You don't have to be somebody super holy in order to receive God's message of peace. God's message of peace is for everyone. It's for everyone. Secondly, the idea of, of shepherds is really important because the shepherds were keeping watch over the sheep, and sheep had a very important role. In fact, sheep it, with, within the context of the Jewish system going all the way back were the very lamb that would be sacrificed in the temple to offer a sacrifice so that a relationship with God that had been marred by sin could be made right. And so shepherds link what Jesus also would come to do as John the Baptist declared, behold the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus as a shepherd and appearing to shepherds also is a reminder of what he came to do as the Jews in Passover had been delivered because the lamb had been sacrificed and the blood over the doorposts had set them free. We are reminded today that we can have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ to bring us that peace in our relationship with God, that shalom. You see, God sent his messengers, angelic messengers, his son to shepherds, and it reminds us that God's favor is not based on human standards. His favor comes to all of those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and will accept his gifts of hope and peace and joy and the love that Jesus brings. Friends, peace is not based on class. It's not based on position or occupation. God's purpose and design is to bring great news of good joy to all people. All people. Secondly, God's peace comes in the midst of our storms. God's peace comes in the midst of our 
storm. You know, in our world today, there doesn't seem to be much peace, does there? In fact, there seems to be a lot of turmoil. There's people that are going through some things both individually and corporately. Our nation is going through some things where we are divided as ever. In fact, around the world, there is a lot of turmoil that is going on. There's not much peace. COVID-19 has been one of the many storms that has brought financial pressures, relational pressures, emotional pressures, pressures at work, pressures regarding physical health, and, and, uh, and, and am I going to be okay? Maybe you've lost loved ones, and I'm worried about loved ones and their health. Stress and anxiety abound. We have political tensions that continue to go on. We have, uh, we have racial tensions that continue to go on and create a great divide within our nation. And our world is anything but a place of peace. But I've got hope for you. You see, when Jesus had come into the world and the angels had announced peace, the world itself was not a place of peace. In fact, there was a lot of turmoil that was going on then. I mean, just think about it. A little teenage girl by the name of Mary suddenly finds herself where an angel appears to her and says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you, and you are going to be the birth of God's Son, the Messiah. And she says, well, how is this? I've not even known a man. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. So here she is. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant by God. Can you imagine how that works? She has to tell her fiance who she's betrothed to. And you got to understand that in this day and age, it wasn't as, as accepted as it is now to, to be with child outside of the marriage relationship. It seemed as if you cheated on the very one or you maybe brought suspe- suspicion upon Joseph that they couldn't wait until the marriage was actually finalized. Can you imagine the scandal? Her dad goes to the country club or she can't even pick her head up in the grocery store because people aren't going to believe it. Oh, I hear your daughter's pregnant. How'd that happen? What are you going to do about that? Hold on, hold on. She said an angel appeared to her and she's pregnant by God. The Holy Spirit did that. Talk about conspiracy theories, right? So you got to understand there's no peace. There's no peace at all. That's not peace. In fact, the reason that 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 uh, when Joseph goes to, to, to Bethlehem and Jerusalem for the census that he brings Mary along is not because he had to. In fact, he was the only one that had to go. But there was so much suspicion that was going on that, that Joseph said, you know what, I'm not going to leave Mary in these conditions. And in fact, when they were in Bethlehem, they stayed there another two years at least and then ended up going and hiding into Egypt later on. Why? Because there was no peace that was going on. This was not a time of peace. I mean, consider, uh, consider Mary's journey. She's nine months pregnant, and they decide they're going to travel across the country, and they don't get to travel in a, in a, in a, on a bus. They don't, they don't get to travel in a Cadillac. They don't, they don't get to travel in style. She's riding nine months pregnant on a donkey. Can you say no peace? There's no peace in that. They pull into town, and all of a sudden, she's starting to feel, hey, Joe, (laughs) it's coming. (laughs) This baby's coming. It's time. It's near. Joseph, you got to find me a place to stay. you got to find us a place to stay in. Knocking on the door, in after in, Motel 6 after Holiday Inn Express, and he's knocking, and there is no room in the inn. Not even that little flea bag motel that he would never bring her to. They've got no rooms. He finally gets somebody and he says, please, isn't there anywhere? Well, I got a stable out back. I got a barn out back. You can go out there. The Son of God, can you imagine the stress? There's no no peace. 
And let's not even mention no epidural. There's no peace. No peace. And then what happens? King Herod, the Israelite king at the time, all of a sudden he hears that there's a Messiah that has been born, somebody fulfilled prophecy, and he starts saying, nobody's taking my place as king. You find that little brat and you kill him. You find him. And in fact, I don't want to take any chances. So every baby two years, every baby boy two years and under, kill him. You want to talk about pain that is going on in the midst of the world at that time, a Roman occupation, and 400 years of silence before God has ever spoken? No peace, and yet it's here in the midst of the storm that angels appear to the unlikely, the everyday person, the shepherds, and say, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peace comes in the midst of storms, not despite the storms. Peace comes in the midst, so I've got good news. This year has been anything but peace, but let me tell you something. The Prince of Peace is here. The Prince of Peace. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. Thirdly, God's peace remains no matter your circumstances. You say, Pastor, no matter my circumstances, do you know my circumstances this year? Do you know what's happened this year? Do you know the pain? Do you know who I've lost this year? Do you know what I've lost this year? Do you know what I've had to struggle with this year? Come on, that's a fairy tale. Peace, no matter what the circumstances. That's some kind of fairy tale. Hang with me. There is some truth. Don't go to sleep on me. There's some really good truth right here. I'm about to just bring it, all right? Can we say that? Come on. Can I say that? All right, John 14, chapter 1, or John 14, verse 1. I'm going to read the beginning. This is what it says. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, there's a word there. You know what the word is? It's let. Let. Don't let your heart be troubled. There are times when we let our heart be troubled. There are times when circumstances come and we let our heart be troubled. That's a decision right there. Don't let your heart be troubled. There's something unnecessary, something that oftentimes in the midst of circumstances, when God wants to give us peace, that we let the enemy steal our peace. We let our circumstances steal our peace. We let something steal our peace. The word here is let. Let. Why? Because you and I have a decision to make, and oftentimes we let circumstances steal our peace. You know, a man went to a psychiatrist once, and he was having a problem. He said this, every night I get into bed, and when I get into bed, I think that there's somebody under the bed. So I jump down, and and I look under the bed, and nobody's there to give me peace of mind. I roll under the bed, and I think, I'm just going to sleep here. And then I begin to think, you know what, there's somebody on top of the bed. And so I get out, and I look, and there's nobody there. So I get on top of the bed, and up and down up and down, up and down all night. It's driving me crazy. And the, the psychiatrist says to the man, well, you know, I think I can help you. You just come and see me twice a week, all right? Twice a week, $75 a pop is going to cost you about $7,500 to see me, but in two years, I can have you cured. And the man said, man, I'm a working man. That's kind of steep for me. I, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can afford that, but let me go talk to my wife and I'll let you know. About a week later, the man called the, the psychiatrist back and he said, hey, you know, uh, I'm not going to come see you anymore. In fact, uh, I'm cured. My wife has, has really helped me out. And, uh, and the psychiatrist said, well, how did she do that? And the man said, well, she cut the legs off the bed. <laughs> Friends, there are some of you, you need to cut the legs off of what's causing you anxiety. 
and do not let your heart be troubled. How do you cut the legs off? How do you, how do, you do that? Well, let's look at Isaiah. It talks about peace. Isaiah 26, 3, one of my favorite verses. You will keep in perfect peace him whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now, what's so fascinating about this passage of Scripture is, is this word here that says keep. Literally, the word keep here is to guard, protect, to hide, to conceal. <laughs> Don't miss the significance of this word. You see, those who meet the condition set out by God in terms of where we fix our mind and who we trust in, understand that because of that, you are hidden, you are protected in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to go through different things. You see, the disciples, they were with Jesus, and they went through storms. They went through different things, but yet Jesus was with them, and he was keeping them. He was keeping them, keeping them. Why? Because he only allows things that are for our good. He only allows circumstances, and then we say, those are terrible. And yes, the circumstances are terrible, but God will turn those things around for our good. Why? Because we are hidden in him, and we can trust in him. He will keep in perfect peace. Interesting, perfect. You know, in the Hebrew, the word perfect isn't really there. There's not a word for perfect. He said, well, why did they do that? Because in the original text, the word peace was written twice. It virtually reads this, you will keep in peace, peace, him who is steadfast, whose mind, who, who trusts in you, whose mind is steadfast, who trusts in you. Peace, peace. It's, it's twice. It's kind of like that French candy bonbon. How many, anybody like bonbons? Bonbon? Bon is the word good. So really what you're getting is good, good. It's not just good, it's good, good. What, 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 what the, the Isaiah and what, what God is saying to us in the book of Isaiah, it, it's not just peace, it's peace, peace. It's peace squared. It's peace squared. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you perfect peace. I'm going to give you peace, peace. I'm going to give you good, good peace whose mind is steadfast, who trusts in you. I'm going to give you peace, peace. Remember, Jesus said this in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Notice he repeats it twice. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Why? Because it's peace, peace. It's good peace. It's perfect peace. How do we keep our minds on the Lord? Well, Paul tells us, Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Pray. What steals, what, what steals our peace? When do we let our hearts get troubled? When we stop praying and we start trying to figure out how to fix our circumstances on our own. When we look to somebody else or something else to fix the problem that we know only God can give us peace and fix. It's time to pray. Not only that, you say, well, it's bad, it's bad. Well, thank God about everything. Look at that. And thank Him for all He's done for you. You know, sometimes we need to not just make Thanksgiving one time a year. We've got to make Thanksgiving a part of what we do. Thank God for what He's done for you. I was doing that this week. Man, I had a situation, but we were recounting the things that God had done in our lives. We had been recounting what the Lord had done, and we said, nope, and we know that we know who our God is, and it pulled us out of that funk because we know we can trust in the Lord. 
And there's something powerful about that. And if you do this, if you do this, look at what happens. God's peace, which is far more wonderful than any human mind could understand. The peace that passes all understanding is another way to say it. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Guarding, protecting whose mind is stayed on thee. Come on. You say, let me illustrate how this works. All right, I am not a handyman. Can I just say that? There are some talents that I was given and some talents I'm not, and being a handyman ain't one of those talents. All right, can I say ain't? Is that okay to say? Probably not. Anyway, you know, I'm not an English person either. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm not a handyman. So when it comes to electrical needs in particular, those things scare me because I don't want to be zapped. You know what I'm talking about? You touch the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, you blow the whole house up, you blow yourself up. I mean, there's just, I'm just, when it comes to electrical things, I'm just terrified. But I have a father-in-law who's an electrician. So for me, that's good news. So guess what? I'm terrified. I'm very anxious when it comes to electrical things, but I'll call my father-in-law. He lives in Buffalo. If he can get here, he'll, he'll take care of it, but oftentimes he can't get here. But as I call him, here's what he does. He walks me through over the phone. Make sure you turn this off. See this wire here? Don't touch it with this wire here. <laughs> touch this one. Don't touch this one. Guess what? When I am, have my father-in-law on the phone and he's walking me through the circumstances that I'm anxious about, guess what happens? I'm in perfect peace. Listen, that's what prayer does. We've got a heavenly Father who knows, don't let your heart be troubled no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the condition. You've got a heavenly Father that promises you this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anybody need rest for your soul today? You need rest for your soul today? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I'm going to give you peace. Peter put it this way. Cast all your cares or anxieties on him because he cares for you. You got anxieties today? Peter was a fisherman. Cast those anxieties on the Lord. And that leads us to insight number four, and that is God's peace is a person. God's peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. And long before his arrival, as I alluded to, the prophet Isaiah began to talk about who Jesus would be, and he called him the Prince of Peace. Look at this, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and get this one, the Prince of Peace. And then then it goes on to talk, it seems like political speech here, of the greatest of his government and peace, there will be no end, no end to his peace, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You see, in this season of Advent and waiting, we know that one day Jesus is going to return and he is going to establish eternal peace. But until then... We have the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And what does that mean? Well, Prince of Peace is really two Hebrew words, Sar and Shalom. What does Sar mean? Sar means charge. It means the captain. It means the Lord. It means the chief. It means the general. And Romans use that word Sar and they change it to C-Z-A-R. 
Now we'd look at that and we'd say that's the czar, but they said Caesar, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, the king, the lord, the captain, you would worship. You'd have, then Rome, they want you to worship the Caesar because he was the lord. But here, Isaiah, long before all of that, prophesied that Jesus would be the Tsar, the lord, the captain, and the chief of what? Shalom. Shalom. What's shalom? Well, shalom is, is uh, actually greeting a person one to another. And it means rest, it means tranquility, wholeness, completeness. So Jesus is the Tsar Shalom. You could say he's the captain of rest. You could say he's the Lord of tranquility. He is the chief of contentment. Come on. He is the Tsar Shalom. And as long as we live under Christ, as long as we have Christ in our lives, we have the Prince of Peace because peace is a person. Peace is a person. You say, well, there's so much stress and conflict in the world. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, why is there all this stress and conflict in the world? I'm so glad you ask. I'm so glad you ask. Why do we have all this turmoil? Because there's this thing called sin. And sin separates us from God. Sin brings us into conflict with God. In fact, the Bible actually says that because of sin and disobedience, we actually become an enemy of God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 tells us this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ears too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You say, I pray and God does not hear. I'm I'm trying, but there's just such a gap. Let me ask you, is your sin separating you from God? You see, without the Prince of Peace, there is conflict, and there is conflict in our world because there are many that have not been made right with God. Romans 5, 12, Paul put it this way, therefore just as sin entered the world through the one man and death through sin, this way death came to all men because all sin. Who is Paul referring to? He's referring to Adam. He's referring to Adam. And when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam in particular sinned, Adam disobeyed God. He came out from under the prince of peace. He came out from under the rule of God and decided that he wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil, that he could decide what was good, he could decide what was evil, and he didn't need God, and so he disobeyed God, taking a bite of the tree, the fruit of the tree that God said not to eat from. And when he did that, he ushered in sin that has been passed down to every one of us. And as he did that, he also left and and opened the door, the things that still affect the world today, things like shame. They were ashamed. When they had sinned, they, they were ashamed. They went and hid from God. Why? Because they were afraid, fear. Fear suddenly entered into the world, blame shifting. Not my fault, it was Eve's fault. It was this woman you put in the garden. It wasn't my fault, it was that serpent there that you created. What God, it's all back to you, it's all your fault. The problem is, is that blame, when we refuse to take responsibility from our own actions and our own disobedience, it causes enmity with God. That's a lack of repentance. And then what happens? Judgment and murder and death and conflict in relationships and insecurities and selfishness. And we wonder why we have so many problems in our world. Why do we have so many problems in our life, in our families, in our relationships? But there's hope because God didn't leave us in this world to be separated from him forever, but instead the prince of peace, the captain of peace said, oh, I'm coming once again to restore peace. And how do we do that? 
by inviting the Prince of Peace into our lives, taking responsibility for our sin and transferring our trust over to Christ. Over to Christ. Romans 5.1, now that we have been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, sin separates us from having a relationship, but because of Jesus Christ and because of His blood and sacrifice and what He did, He restores peace with God, which allows us to have peace no matter the circumstances, no matter the storms that are around us. We can have peace because we once again have the Prince of Peace in our lives. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for Christ himself is our peace. Peace is a person. Christ is our peace, and he has reached out to us, and he says, will you surrender your life to me? Will you stop fighting me? Will you stop trying to do it on your own? Will you stop trying to do it your way? And will you trust in me? Will you trust in me? Because I'm the prince of peace. You see, to put your faith in Christ, you have to lay down the sword of sin. And you have to turn in faith and surrender to him. Rather than subjecting you to humiliation, here's what you're going to find. That God's going to adopt you into his family. He says, you're in my family and he's going to give you the peace that you've been looking for everywhere else. So this Christmas, the Prince of Peace offers to us peace with God and peace in the midst of the storm, no matter the circumstances that you face. And that is available to every man. The shepherds tell us that's available to every man. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And as they do, I want to read one more scripture, and then I want to invite those of you that need peace in your life. I want to invite you to receive peace today through Christ. Acts chapter 10 and verse 35. I love the way the message puts it. It said, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. The door is open. Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, if you need peace in your life, the door is open. If you need peace in your relationship with God, the door is open. The Prince of Peace has come, and he declares that today you can have peace. You can have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's what you do. You say, God, I admit, I take responsibility. I'm no longer passing blame. I'm the one to blame. I'm the one who has sinned against you. I'm the one who has been an enemy with you, but now I come to you and I surrender and I receive your gift of peace and salvation in my life. And I want to ask you today, is there anyone today, maybe you're watching online as well, maybe you're watching online and you need peace, you need to make peace with God. Maybe you're here in this room and you say, you know what, I need peace, but I realize I'm not going to have lasting peace until I have peace with God. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm just by an upraised hand. Pastor, I need to make peace with God. I need my sin forgiven, and I need Christ as my Savior. I need to invite Him into my life today to be my Savior. Is there anyone at all today? Just raise up your hand. I need to invite Christ as my Savior today. Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus. If you're online, will you just indicate? Maybe in the chat or email us at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Download our app. Say, I made a decision to follow Christ today. If that's you and you need to receive Christ today, I want to pray with you. Secondly, if you're here today and you say, I'm a believer, but I've let, 
I've let something steal my peace. I've let my heart be troubled. I've let circumstances. And you know what? Today, I need the Lord to restore His peace back in my life again. I need to let the Lord restore His peace. And pastor, I need peace in my life, in my circumstances. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Anybody in here, I need peace today in my life, no matter what. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Come on, let's pray today. And I want you just to invite the Lord right now into your situation, into your circumstance right now. Begin to call on the Lord right now. If you need salvation, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin right now. I know that I need you. I know that I have sinned against you, and I repent today. And I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to cleanse me, and I invite you to come into my life. You, the Prince of Peace, come into my life. Change me. Come into my life and make me new. If you need peace, Jesus, I, I've let something steal my peace today. Lord, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm turning it over to you. You said, come to me, all you are weary and, and burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Lord, I'm, I'm transferring it up to you. It's yours. I trust you. I trust you. Give my mind peace. Settle my anxious heart today. Settle my anxious heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.